0: Nothing can replace the pleasure of turning the pages of the printed book. Wireless Books on Otago Access Radio explores our city's rich literary heritage, talking with people who are passionate about the printed word and celebrating the Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute's fascinating local history. Tune in every second Saturday at midday for reviews and discussion about books, old and new. Wireless Books on 105.4 FM, 1575 AM and live and podcast from www.oar.org.nz.
1: I don't know what it is why I always hit the wrong button. That's the promo, not the intro. Maybe you have chubby fingers. Maybe that's it. Anyway, welcome everyone to another edition of Wireless Books. And it's coming up Christmas time, which means there are books, 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 new books. Mm, Republished books. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, them too. I try
2: not to buy the republished books because theoretically we already have them, but sometimes we don't, and then it's it's great.
1: Okay. It is. I see there's an Ian McEwan there. I love Ian McEwan. Now, he wrote Atonement. He did? I? I loved that book, and I loved that movie. One of the few pieces of art, written art, that I loved both the book and the, and the movie equally.
2: Oh, that's actually very—it's very, very rare. Because if you love a book, you, the, how can the movie ever live up to it? Because oh, wow.
1: No, but yes. I don't know, it must have been the wonderful, well it had a lot in that movie, set in wartime well before wartime, but the beautiful house, the beautiful estate, it was so hot one of the hottest summers they'd ever had, and they had the you know, even the sounds, the sassaders what are they called, sassaders? <laughs> yeah. oh, you know the things that make a lot of noise, mm. and it was just enveloped you, and then the beautiful cinematography, I mean so sad and you saw when they were all um huddling um underground in the underground tube station whatever when the water came in and they drowned just everything was just so beautiful tragic (laughs) yeah but visually Mm. tragic and the whole storyline was tragic the acting was wonderful and the way you know in the book too the way that um when it's like you're eavesdropping um, on a conversation, you, you don't, most of the time, you don't get the actual gist of it and mm. you get the wrong impression. And this little girl, what she saw was yeah. totally different to what happened and it just ruined three people's lives hers, because she lived with the guilt and regret mm. all her life, her sister's, and of course, her sister's boyfriend. Oh, I was mm. just. Brilliant. I mean, sad. The but unreliable
2: brilliant. narrator, or his, oh well, done.
1: yeah, or the
2: the child who doesn't understand. That's quite a common theme, isn't well, it? Well,
1: even mm. adults. Mm. <laughs> I mean, adults. They all, you know, yeah. You think you see something or hear something, but actually, you haven't. And how many lives has that ruined?
2: Well, it never ceases to amaze me how. You can have a whole group of people see the same thing and they take totally different yep. interpretations mm. of it, just depending on their own perspectives mm-hmm. on life. Yep. And it's astonishing yep. that you you think that you know exactly what went on and there's somebody else who thinks exactly the the opposite and you think, what's, what's the matter with them? Mm. <laughs> and they're thinking, what's the matter with you? Now, this is a bit of a departure for Ian McEwen because... He usually writes books that are kind of slices of life, but this is um, almost a, a cr- cradle to, um, to to grave book, which these kind of books haven't been very um, fashionable in the last couple of decades. Um, the Victorians loved them, and Charles Dickens was the great um, the great. I call them um, a. A baggy kind of novel. There's just so much in it. It's like you've got this big plot mantle, and it's just stuffed with all these these incidents and stuff. And um, so, I, my term for them, I don't know if it's a correct term or not, is a baggy novel. And oh. yeah, and so Ian McEwan has probably written for the first time in his life a baggy novel. And it starts with a young boy who is nine, and he's in a boarding school, and his parents have decided that he should have piano lessons and he has no particular musical ability really or feels he has none but he's given he has a very creepy female music teacher who who actually scars him for life in a lot of ways she she has a way of physically punishing him which takes on a kind of creepy sexual tone and Ooh. So, yeah, so, ugh, but these things did happen, and so this guy is veered off into a path of of um, strangeness in his sexuality because of his early experiences with this woman. And then, later on, when he becomes a bit older, he actually has a full-on affair with her, so that sort of t- totally scars him. Then we cut further back, oh, we fast forward a bit so he's he's a a young husband with a baby, and his wife has disappeared, and he is he's literally left holding the baby, and has he married a German woman, and she said she she runs away from him and his the baby in in domesticity, and she goes back to Germany and writes a book, and it becomes it becomes a massive success and it's translated to many languages. And so part of the book is this this man coping with his ex-wife's enormous success and it leaves him nonplussed in a way and he, he keeps reading everything he can find, every interview of hers, every article about her, he keeps reading them to see... If he features in them at all, and he he never seems to particularly. Mm. And part of the book is him coming coming to terms with this, and and so, but that's just a part of it. It's just one of these things keep happening to him, and he you know he goes his life goes on and on, and parts of it are actually quite um, similar to Ian McEwan's um, life, but. Um, I won't say what they were. And I just opened it at random, random, and this paragraph, which kind of ex- explains um, what the book's theme is. In settled, expansive mood, Roland occasionally reflected on the events and incidents, personal and global, minuscule and momentous that had formed and determined his existence. His case was not special. All fates are similarly constituted. Nothing forces public events on pub private lives like a war and so on and so on. But I think that's really um, the theme of the book is just how small things can lead on to big things. Mm, yeah. For example, he just um, randomly chose to learn German as an, ad- as a young, as an adult and I think in a, like a night class and that's how he met his first wife. Wow. I think she was the teacher. Oh, how teacher's
1: pet. Mm, mm.
2: Well, for a, for a bit. Now, I seem to have a lot of these these big books. I've actually got three of them. The next one is Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. Now, she's best known for the Poisonwood Bible, and she's taken Carl Dickinson's um, novel, David Copperhead, Copperfield, which is the most autobiographical of all of Dickinson's novels. It has a lot of um, its um, parallels to his own life, and it's the story of... Of how a, a child with, without parental um, support, how they are almost cast adrift in Victorian society, and Barbara Kingsolver has has taken that theme and placed it in the Appalachian Mountains. And the Appalachian Mountains go through a lot of states, but this is the Virginia part of the Appalachian mm-hmm. Mountains, and there in the grip of the opioid crisis which we have started to hear a lot about where people are prescribed um, fentanyl um, for painkiller and they end up becoming opium addicts essentially and um, how many lives that's ruined. And Damien is is born to a teenage um, mother who is a drug addict and they live in a, a an abandoned trailer essentially. So they they are the poorest of the poor and his mother does the best she can but she's, she's a bit hopeless and she can't do much for him and he grows up and he gets into, uh, he is fostered by people who are just in it for the social welfare check, He he, yes, things happen to him but he's a child who he has a talent and he meets with some good people who help him foster his his talent. And this is a book that that people have really, really loved. it's been there's been such a lot of talk about it. people are really excited about it. And like I said, she's really was famous for the Poison Bible, which is about twenty years old now, but she's always been interested in social justice issues. and this is really her hitting a stride and, oh, and really going great. for it. great. Yeah, it's it is. It's a big read, it, you're right. It is a big read. And um, and our third big baggy book is The Romantic. Mm-hmm. And this is by William Boyd. And this is another birth to, to grave story. It's a story um, of Cashel Grenville Ross, who's born in 1799. And he's... You remember that Woody Allen movie, I can't remember the name of it, where it was sort of a mock documentary about this this man who was a bit of a non-entity, but he, he kept turning up at important um, historical oh, moments. vaguely. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, the casuals like that. He's born in County Cook, and then he runs away from home and as a teenager and ends up Signs up with the army and ends up at the Battle of Waterloo. And he survives that, so of course he's automatically a hero. And he just keeps leapfrogging from one historical... um, exciting thing to another and ends up all over the place. And um, so it's sort of like a great ripping yarn.
1: Well, it's a wee bit like Forrest Gump because Forrest Gump managed to end up at many important historical events
2: as well. Yes. So it's in that sort of um, vein. And so it's sort of just one ripping tale after another. And it's, um,
1: yeah. Do you know what? I think we're going to play a sting. You're doing very well just to let you... Uh, lick your lips. Let's see if I can hit the correct button this time.
0: Here we go. For more information on the Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, go to www.dunedinathenaeum.org.nz That's Dunedin A-T-H-E-N A-E-U-M nz. Oh, just like that.
1: Hmm,
2: Very good. Now, I have The latest one from J.P. Delaney, who is probably most famous for the girl before, and it's called My Darling Dead Daughter.
1: (laughs) What is that? My Darling Dead Daughter or My Darling Daughter? My
2: Darling Daughter. I don't know
1: why. Halfway through, I was looking (laughs) at it, and I was about to say My Darling Dentist.
2: (laughs) I said, what has gone wrong here? That's My Darling Daughter. My daughter, my dentist. (laughs) Um, So it's about a woman who... In her early 20s, she was um, a backing singer, sort of struggling, and she was in an abusive relationship and got pregnant. And so she had the child adopted out, which all seemed like the sensible thing to do Mm -hmm. at the time. Then you fast forward um, 15 years on. Since then, she has become a successful um, artist herself. She's a solo singer. She's married to a man who was... I think he was very successful in a band himself, and when the band broke up, he then became a producer, and so he he produces all her works and stuff. And they've they've got this lovely lovely relationship. There's only one problem: is so they can't get pregnant, and so they've they've been spending a lot of time and effort trying to become pregnant. And so she herself is is thinking back to the child she gave up and regretting it. And if only she'd known that she was going to have fertility problems, she yeah. should have kept the baby. So any. In that mind frame, what happens is she gets um, an email from her daughter saying that she would like to meet her. And and so, the, let the games begin sort of thing. It's just that kind of fear of a a child that you you love the child but you don't know the child and, and what is the child's agenda. It's, um, so Delaney is sort of playing on that because when the child turns up, she... The woman, um, Susie, her, her husband, he sort of is a bit a bit cooler about this child and he keeps sort of taking a note of the contradictions and what she says and how she presents herself. And there's something a bit off about her, but Susie Susie doesn't care. That's her child and she, she wants to have the child back in her life. But of course... Um, Annie is too young to just. She's about fifteen, so she's she's been adopted, and so technically she hasn't. She can't just say, "Oh, I found my real mother. Bye, mum and dad." I'm going. That's not how the law works. So you sort of get that dynamic. So Susie wants to have Annie with her, but um, she she can't have her with her. It's and um, Annie starts to cause problems. It's actually a very interesting book, and it also throws in a bit of um, the Me Too movement, and um, sort of the sometimes Me Tooing can be a bit ambiguous. I mean, women can go along with things and then maybe decide later, well, that was coercive, but but was it? So anyway, that's one of those. It's one of those sort of problem books.
1: Mm. Anyway, I like JP Delaney. Mm and
2: finally I have the next book by Raina will win um, the wild silence she wrote the salt path about her and her husband who they were evicted from their from their farm and they um, started um, walking along the southwest path and um, sleeping rough or intense even though you're not supposed to and this carries on from that book and so they've they finished doing that, and they're actually um, somebody's given them, offered them a flat at the back of a church, and her husband Moth is um, doing, studying a course on um, garden planning and stuff, and his health is starting to fail again because he's from walking all day. He's now sitting down a lot, and it's not doing him any good. And part way through the book, they get offered. Um, they get offered to, to stay at a farm where, and they start on the project of rewilding this farm. But she also takes us back to her childhood and um, the sort of child that she was. She used to go into the forest um, picking bluebells and stuff, even though there were traps all around and she had to be very careful not to get caught in the, the rabbit traps. And... She she was just of a, a dreamy child who was at, at one with nature in a lot of ways, and I'm going to show this to Beth. It's a picture of of Raina and her husband. Um, Mo, they, he's called Moth, and she's known him since she was about twenty, and she absolutely adores him. And um, he's a very he's a very good looking man. They look very adventurous. Well, they do. And um, at the end of the book, they they're off. They've gone somewhere. And um, on a walking trip and there's a lot of Germans there and the, all the Germans sort of keep winking at them and stuff and they're getting very uncomfortable and then it turns out that um, the book that she wrote The um, the Salt Path has come out in, in Germany and uh, there was an, a magazine article about them with their pictures in it and so the, oh, the Germans recognise them but they, they didn't realise that it happened so they just saw, they saw all these weird Germans and they keep sort of you know, winking at us <laughs> Very cute. Now, I don't know how, how much time we're going to have, but I want to talk about A.A. A. Milne, who is most famous now for writing... Hundred Acre Wood. Yes. Now, what, can, what do you know about him? Can just off the top of your
1: head? What's the thing you know about him? I know he had a son named Christopher, and he wrote Winnie the Pooh at the start for his son. Um, and uh, he lived. He based one hundred acre wood on the farmland, the paddocks, and all that where he lived. Obviously, not very much, Christine. Mm. If I'd known it was going to be a pop quiz, I would have studied. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mm. know what I pop quiz. Mm.
2: Mm, well, it's just really that a lot of people have the perception that A. I. M was a children's writer who wrote children's books who didn't actually like children and um, that's actually quite false. I just thought a few thought of that. He was born in January in 1882 and his father John Vine Milne and his mother Sarah Milne ran um, a school called Henley House School which was actually quite a lovely school and his father was actually born in Jamaica I mean because this is at the height of the you know the British Empire and so his his grandfather had been a preacher who'd gone to Jamaica and he'd had had lots and lots of children and he <laughs> was he was hopeless with money and so they lived in, in absolute poverty and and John milne actually he was an academic child but he didn't his father just totally um, didn't make any effort for him and so he had to get a job working in a machinery shop and then when he came home he would clean all the oil off his hands with great care and then he would sit down and um, work on his books and his great ambition was to um, get a degree and he did and then he became a school teacher and he was a very good school teacher and apparently he was a lovely man and Alan Milne 'cause that's A.A. Milne's name, Alan Alexander Milne. He was very good at maths as a child and his father had high hopes for him that he would become a mathematician and a school teacher. And he had two older brothers, Barry, who who was a bit of a dullard, and Ken, who Alan and Ken were great mates. They they were it was only about eighteen months between them, and they were almost like twins. They were very very close. They used to get up early and jump on their bikes and go off and have adventures, and very adventurous. And um, they had a great childhood. And then, and they were also both Ken and Alan were bright, so they both got um, scholarships to Westminster um, School, which was a uh, one of the Sno- snooty schools. Um, I think it's the next one down from Eton, really. Oh. And they both got um, um, scholarships to go to Cambridge. And so, Alan went to Trinity College, um, Cambridge on a mathematics scholarship. But once he actually got um, further along, he realised that he really didn't really have a math- mathematical brain. He wasn't really into advanced mathematics at all. And he, he was... A great one for writing um, sort of funny poems and and comic comedic stuff. And his great ambition was to be the editor of Punch magazine. And so then, when he left Cambridge, he had an a, he, he got an inheritance of five pounds, which is quite a lot of money and he worked out that he would be able to support himself for three years in London so he gave himself three years to make it as a writer in London so he went up to London and of course um, the excitement of the capital it meant that he ran through these £300, pounds, £500 pounds in about um, six months but then he started to make a bit of money and then he had this amazing stroke of luck after about two years he was offered the assistant editorship of Punch Oh. which he he took with delight, and so he thought, so this is a young man who had he just thought if he he stayed, he would end up as the editor and he was writing stuff for Punch, and he became became really well known and very popular. and he started um a series called Rabbits it was about. Gay young people and um, witty witty conversations between them. And it was very, very popular. Now, this was before the First World War. And we tend to think of the flappers, but there was – the Edwardians also had their, their bright young things. And so the Rabbit series was really sort of bright young things. And then he met a woman who was as if he had written her up of her, her, himself. She was like one of his rabbit characters. And so they married, and that was Daphne. And um, Daphne was slightly higher, of a slightly higher social um, layer than him. And her family was, was more prosperous. And the interesting thing is that she had a brother and a sister, and she was estranged from her brother which we're not going to get to it, but actually has importance in this story later on. And then he was sent to the First World War, and he was... I don't know if he was in Pashadale, but anyway, he served... First of all, he was lucky. He, was, he became a, um, a communications expert, um, laying um, line and stuff, and, um, you know, radio expert, and he... He was so good at it he actually um, was kept back as an instructor so he didn't go to the war until later on and then when he got to the war he was in battle and then he became very ill and was sent back and um, never so he got out without, he served but he was very lucky he wasn't injured and stuff and he survived and I've just got, got time to read one poem that he wrote about the war it's called OBE OBE I know a captain of industry who made big bombs for the RFC and collared a lot of pounds and pence, and he, thank God, has the OBE. I know a lady of pedigree who asked some soldiers out to tea and said, dear me, and yes, I see, and she, thank God, has the OBE. I know know a fellow of 23 who got a job with a fat MP, not caring much for the infantry, and he, thank God, has the OBE. I had a friend, a friend and he, just held the line for you and me and kept the Germans from the sea and died without the OBE. Thank God he died without the OBE. Which is quite bitter mm. and not at all um, part of his reputation. And Punch refused to to publish that when he came back. And in fact, when he came back from the war, they didn't have a job for him. Oh. So, wow. so he had a lot of reason to be a bitter young man, except he almost immediately started writing um, plays, which were hugely successful. Well, you need mm. to
1: carry the series on next time. Yes, it's very interesting. It is. Very it's very good. interesting. Well, until next time, everyone, and another riveting chapter of the author of the rabbits. <laughs> Not you, A.A. Mill. Happy reading, yes, everyone. Yes, happy reading.
0: The Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute welcomes new members. Enjoy the Athenaeum's quiet, warmly carpeted library and reading room and share in the joy of books, new and old. Visit dubdubdub.dunedinathenaeum.org.nz for more information or pop into the Athenaeum library at number 24, The Octagon the Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, celebrating Dunedin's rich literary heritage since 1851. This podcast
2: was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.